Hey guys, my name is Scott Niemeyer and I'm the lead pastor of High Point Church in Friendswood, Texas. I'd like to welcome you to our podcast. We believe that church is not just an event you attend, it is a family that you belong to. We also believe that it's God's plan for every person on their spiritual journey to know God, to find some freedom from your past so that you can discover your purpose and ultimately you can make a difference. And we exist as a church to help you on that journey. We hope you are inspired and encouraged by today's message. Let's jump in and let's get started. Let's get right into the word today. I really got a few things I wanna share with you and then we wanna celebrate these, these that are going public with their faith today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. God, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your blessings in our life. And Father, I just thank you right now that we have this opportunity to be together in your presence. God, what an opportunity this is. God, we're, we're so grateful. Uh, Father, just for your, your presence and your power. God, we thank you that every time that we come together in your name, that you are right here with us. Uh, God, I thank you that we all would open up our hearts today for the next few minutes and be able to receive from you, God, everything that you have for us individually. God, I thank you right now, God, that you have a plan and a purpose for each per person. And God, I just ask that during this message that you'll begin to reveal yourself to people. Uh, God, that they'll begin to really connect with you on a deeper level. God, I thank you that as we talk about friendship today and really God being a friend with you, I thank you, God, that we would have a, a, a good understanding of what that is. And God, we thank you for lives to be touched and changed and affected today. In Jesus' name, and everybody said... Amen. Well, we are in the middle of a series entitled Hear from Heaven. And in this series, uh, we are learning that when we pray, uh, that means that as believers or as people that are uh, seeking after God, uh, that part of that posture, part of that lifestyle is a lifestyle of prayer. And so we're learning that when we pray that God hears us from heaven. That's the title, right? Uh, hear from heaven. Uh, but not only does God hear from, from heaven, hear us from heaven, I wanna go a little bit deeper in our understanding today. And here's the thought, that prayer is not a one-way street, but a two-way street. And that even though lots of times we see it as a one-way street where we you know, maybe decide that we're gonna pray. Maybe we are people that get up early in the morning and spend some time maybe with God and kind of start off with a devotion or you, you begin to pray. Uh, maybe you're in your car and maybe you're praying on your way to work. Uh, maybe you are, you know, set aside some time where you have some quiet time at lunch, but, uh, or maybe right before you go to bed. But whenever it is that you do it, uh, I, first of all, I wanna challenge you with this thought to grow beyond it being a one-way conversation. See, when we pray, many times we, we just talk to God and we tell him what's on our heart, what we need, and ask him to help us with things and Nothing wrong with that. that is, that's what prayer is all about. But what I've learned in maturing in my relationship with the Lord is that so many times God wants to talk back to you. That he really wants to have a conversation, not just a, a one-way communication going on. And um, we've been on this, this is our third week in this series. Pastor Kelly did a great job last week of really kind of quantifying what it looks like to spend time with God. I know if you're like me, you know, I remember the first time I decided to get up and pray a little bit early, man, I prayed for, you know, myself and my family and my kids 
and my extended family and my neighbors and my, my dog and all the missionaries somewhere in the world. And I opened my eyes and it had been like three minutes. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm horrible at this. But then I begin to realize, man, there might be a process that might be able to help you. So I would encourage you to go back and listen to that message. It's a great message. And this is kind of sum it up real quick for you. Um, that when you spend time with God, first of all, begin to just magnify, worship and praise him. So instead of just showing up and beginning to go through your list of everything that you need, but really begin to have a conversation with God and begin to say, you know, God, you are awesome. You are so amazing. Thank you for your goodness in my life. We, I magnify you, I lift you up. You, you are, lots of times I'll even do, you know, just, just little things where I begin to just think about how awesome God is. And I try to tell him that. You know, and then after we spend a little bit of time kind of, you know, in, in that, that posture of, of worshiping and magnifying God, then we go to a place where really we begin to say, okay, God, search me, search my heart. And if there's any, anything in me, if there's any offensive way, if there's any bad thought processes, if there's anything that, I'm, that I'm, I'm not doing the right way, show me those things so I can get those things right with you. And it's just a, it's a real powerful time. And if you begin to open up, God will begin to show you different areas. And what do I do? I, I repent of those things. I give those things over to God and, and let him begin to take them. Uh, and then after that, you can kind of get to the request section and you can begin to ask God for things. And, um, you know, Pastor Kelly said this last week that in the beginning, it becomes all about the things that you need. And then you'll realize that God starts answering prayers. And then you'll begin to pray for other people. And your, your list for other people will begin to be longer than your list for your own things. And, and God just kind of works that way. Anyway, and so there's just kind of a process to it. So I wanna encourage you to dig down into that. But there's actually another piece to it that I want us to look at today. And that is that God wants to speak back to you. And you may be saying, that sounds a little bit weird or creepy. I don't even know how that works or how that happens. Well, I have never heard the audible voice of God and I've been serving the Lord most of my adult life. I've never heard the audible voice. If you have, please tell me the story because I, I would love that, like God speaking in this big booming voice from heaven. That would be so incredible. But so many times he speaks to me through his word. He speaks to me in my prayer time when I'm asking, okay, God, what, what, what do you think about this? God, what, what, you know, give me some direction here. And lots of times he'll just impress things upon my heart. And the only way that I know that it's God is because I've learned to respond to those things. And after I respond, I can see God do something. And then I'm like, okay, that was God. Many times I'll ask other people to help me, like process, I, I'll get some good godly counsel. Like, does this sound like God or did I have fried shrimp last night? You know, I don't know what it is. Like you're really kind of processing this, right? Uh, and so good godly counsel is good. Then also go back and, and, and compare it to the word of God. Does it line up with God's word? And so when you begin to understand these ways that God can speak to you, really your walk with God will begin to blossom. It'll begin to almost explode where you can begin to really have an understanding. And this is what takes place. You go from God being this big, you know, God thing up in heaven to being in relationship with God. And I wanna talk to you today for a few minutes about that particular topic. In fact, I've titled this message, A Friend of God. And I don't know about you, but I don't know that in the beginning of my walk with God that I saw myself as a friend of God. In fact, I would probably say 
I did not see myself as a friend of God. I, I saw myself as a follower. I saw myself as hopefully becoming a disciple. I saw myself maybe being a servant of the Lord. And all of those things are true and right. But until you really draw close to him and he begins to draw close to you, then you can really begin to understand that he wants to be your friend. And he wants to be your friend on a very intimate level. And uh, I, I put this in your notes if you're following along in our church app, uh, High Point Church Friendswood. You can find the message notes in there every week. Uh, but I put in there your notes, this thought, they'll put it up on the screen. Our relationship with God will be lacking if our prayer life is only a one-way street. So it's gonna lack. Something in your prayer life is gonna be lacking if it's only a one-way street. Now, how does God define this two-way street? Uh, and so if you begin to think about that, the answer is very simple. He actually defines it as friendship, that he wants to be your friend. He doesn't just want to be your Lord and Savior. He wants to be your, your friend. And so I want you to begin to kind of open up your heart to that idea. So let's look at what a friend is. Let's look at, at what the world even defines as friendship. So a friend is a two-way relationship with someone. This is someone that you can talk to about everything. You'd have one of those friends that, man, you won't say this to some of your friends, but you got that real close friend and you're like, man, I tell this person everything. And so if you have that, in fact, studies show this. If you can get to the end of your life and have a couple of good friends that have lasted your whole lifetime, you are a very blessed person because friendship is something that has to be worked at, right? So it's somebody you can, you can talk to them about everything and probably anything. Uh, it's someone who makes you feel comfortable without fear of judgment. Someone that can make you fear, feel comfortable without fear of being judged or you're wrong for this or you can't believe you did that. And I want you to understand that if that defines a good friend, that also defines a friend in God. God's not here to tell you everything you're doing wrong. It's not about, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Do you know that the Bible says this, that it's the love of God that brings people to repentance. That it's actually God's goodness and his love that brings people to a place of, man, I wanna receive that. And so it's a very powerful thing. Uh, a friend is someone who is always there for you. How many of you got a friend like that? No matter what, man, through the thick and through the thin, they're gonna be there for you. I mean, when something's going good, they're, they're, they're gonna be there. Uh, when something's not going good, they're gonna be there. When something may be fun, they'll be around. But when something's not fun, they're around. And so you're looking for this friend and this is who Jesus is. This is who Christ is in our life. He can be this someone that is always there for you. It's not gonna judge you, that you can talk to, uh, to him about anything and everything. And then also someone, a friend is someone who cares about your well-being. He cares about where you are in life. He cares about what you're going through. He cares about the fact that you would make a good choice and a good decision there where, where your well-being would be supported. He also wants you to know this, that a friend is someone who truly wants the best for you. Someone who truly looks at you and is like, man, I want the very best for you and your family. I want the best for your marriage. I want the best for your business. I want the best for you and everything that you set your heart and your mind to, I want the very best for you. Now, it's been said that uh, many times, uh, the closer you get to somebody that you actually begin to act like them and sometimes even look like them. Like I, I've been married to Kelly this December, the 18th will be 30 years, 30 years. 
Now, do y'all think she's been putting up with me or I've been putting up with her? She's been putting up with me, okay? She's down in kids' church. Y'all don't get me in trouble today, all right? How many of you know, I think over the 30 years, I think my hair is getting a little bit curlier just hanging out with her. I just think maybe, look, I gotta maybe blow dry that, you know, it's gotta get a little, little curlier up there. I heard her say the other day, come on, somebody. And I'm like, all right. I say that all the time. Now she's starting to say it. When you begin to spend time with somebody, you begin to kind of take on their characteristics. You begin to kind of become one. You can begin to finish their sentences. You can begin to know, I know what they're thinking about that already, and I don't even have to know what they're thinking, you know what I mean, what they're gonna say. So you know somebody that way, and that's what I'm talking about with God. How many of you have, uh, um, how many of y'all have social media? Social media, all right, most people in here do. Uh, lots of different social media platforms. If you're over 50, Facebook is probably the uh, platform of choice. Uh, under 50, maybe you have Facebook and Instagram. Uh, you get down a little bit lower, you're definitely gonna be like, uh, you know, TikTok and some of the other platforms, you know, Snapchat, all that kind of stuff. Um, but let me just give you an idea of the kind of friend that Jesus is. Because when you look at Facebook, Facebook actually classifies you on there by how many friends you have. Now, how many of you have ever gotten a friend request? Three of you, perfect. This is gonna hit well. <laughs> I used to be really good and diligent about Facebook, right? So I'm like, I'm on there all the time. Oh, friend request, yes. And I'm thinking to myself, sometimes, I don't know who this is. Y'all, am I the one that feels the pressure to be like, mm, I don't know. Can we have like an acquaintance request? Like, I don't know who you are. Let me tell you, I knew this, I, was, I put this in my message last night. I mean, like, what I was doing at five o'clock this morning, I was accepting y'all's friends request. Because I haven't been on there in like a year. And I'm like, oh my gosh, people have been coming to the church 30 weeks ago, they requested, they probably think I'm a horrible person. I didn't accept it. So I'm accepting y'all. I had somebody in the first service be like, uh-huh, I saw you were accepting my friend request before you said that in the message this morning. Friendship, right? So it, it's defined as how many friends you have. I, I looked up the most popular person on Instagram right now is actually Cristiano Ronaldo. He's a, he's a soccer player, worldwide soccer player. He has 600 million followers on Instagram. That's a lot, isn't it? I didn't look up YouTube, but on TikTok, it's 160 million. Somebody has 160 million uh, people watching them make videos every single day. 600 million watching Cristiano Ronaldo kick a soccer ball or whatever else he does on his page, I don't know. But I'm thinking to myself, who is still the most popular person of all time? So I looked up, I Googled, how many Christians are in the world today? 2.6 billion alive on the earth today. So we think about like what society tells us is a friend, all the followers you have, all the stuff on social media. But I'm here to tell you right now, there was somebody around before social media. There's gonna be somebody around after social media. And he is the greatest friend that you can ever have. He's still the most popular person that has ever lived and his name is Jesus Christ. So I wanna give you some perspective of how powerful this friendship could be with you. John chapter 15, verse number 14 through 16, Jesus himself begins to talk about friendship. And I think it's great we can see where he's coming from when he's thinking about you and he's thinking about me. So it says this, you are my friends. Come on, let's get excited right there. Just, to, I mean, come on, you, you made the cut. You are his friend, come on. 
Two people are excited about that. I said, you are his friend. Come on, everybody. You are my friends. If you do what I command you, no longer do I call you servants for the servant, just catch this, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. So if that leads us to believe that a friend would be close enough that we would know what God is doing. You ever thought to yourself, I wonder what God's doing in this situation. I wonder what God's doing in my marriage. I wonder what God's doing in my kids. I wonder what God, see when you're no longer just viewed as a servant, now you are actually viewed as a friend. Now you begin to know the father's business. How do you know that? Because friends spend time with each other. You're in relationship with each other and you begin to know each other. So it says this, uh, but I've called you friends for all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. He goes on to say in verse 16, you did not uh, not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. Another translation says your fruit should remain so that whatever, everybody say whatever. Whatever you ask the father in my name, he may give it to you. So what he's saying right here is that we are all getting an upgrade. How many of you guys ever been upgraded somewhere? How many know an upgrade feels good? Come on, if you're you're flying a long way and you think you're in coach and you get upgraded to first class, come on somebody. How many of that feels pretty good? How many of y'all, you know, you get upgraded to first class and you're sitting there and all of a sudden, you know, people are walking by and you're like, "Uh uh-huh, I'm in first class, Uh uh-huh. You get upgraded. Jesus is saying right here, listen, you're my friends. I'm no longer gonna call you a servant. Now, now hear this. Jesus also said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve and give my life a ransom for many. So servanthood is not a bad thing, but it's not who you are, it's what you do. I'm gonna say that again. It's not who you are, it's what you do. You no longer are classified as a servant, you are classified as a friend. And as a friend, we do serve one another. As a friend, we do things for God, but it's not your classification. You are now a friend because you know what the Father is up to. You know what God is trying to do in your life and through your life because you are spending time with him as a friend. God has chosen you. You ever thought about that? That you didn't choose God, God has chosen you. Let's just say you're you're showing up at football practice tomorrow and you think you're on the the freshman team. I'm here to tell you right now, you just got bumped up to varsity. I mean, I'm telling you, you just got an upgrade. You are now with Jesus and he is your friend and you are his friend. Jesus doesn't call us a servant, but he calls us a friend. Psalms 25, 14 says this, the Lord is a friend to those who fear him. He teaches them his covenant. And then he goes on to say, my eyes are always on the Lord for he rescues me from the traps of my enemies. So the Lord is a friend to those who fear him. Now, many times when you see the word fear, you automatically think, well, oh my gosh, I have to be scared of God. No, that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about a reverential respect. He's talking about giving him place in your life where you are saying, you know what? I'm going to respect you. I'm going to give way to you. I'm gonna say that you are number one in my life and I'm gonna do things the way that you want me to do things. So it's this reverential respect that God is number one. Proverbs 18, 24 goes on to say this. One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin. 
Have you ever had a friend that let you down? Have you ever had a friend that maybe, man, you really thought they were closer to you than they turned out to be? Like maybe you thought y'all were besties and they thought you were acquaintances because when you went through something difficult, they weren't really there for you. So it goes on to say, one who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend. Listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. There is a friend who sticks closer than a brother and his name is Jesus. James 2, 23 says this, and so it happened just as the scripture says, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. He was even called the friend of God. Abraham was referred to as the friend of God. Exodus 33, verse 11. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses. Catch this, face to face as a man speaks to his friend. When Moses turned again into the camp, his assistant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man would not depart from the tent. Two things I want you to see here. Number one is that Moses would spend time with God in the presence of God face to face. And he describes it as a man would speak to his friend. So God is again establishing that he wants to be our friend. What I love about this is that Moses was the one in the Old Testament that was called to lead God's people. So he was the one that would go into the presence of God. He would spend time with God, then he would come out and he would tell the people. Well, it's no longer that way anymore. Now it's this, is that with the new covenant, that was the old covenant, the new covenant is that God loved you and I so very much that he sent Jesus to die on the cross that you and I could have eternal life whenever we believe in him and receive him into our life. So what does that mean? Now, because of Jesus, we can go straight into the presence of God ourselves. It doesn't have to be one person appointed like the old covenant and him come out and tell us, I don't have to go into the presence of God for you. You can also go into the presence of God. You can go in and you can begin to have a relationship with your creator. Here's the crazy thing. He wants to tell you things that you've never even dreamed of. He wants to do things for you that you can't believe. He wants to use you to accomplish things that you didn't know were even possible. But I'm here to tell you right now with God, all things are possible. Jesus had the 12 disciples. So he had 12 friends, if you will, that he kind of rolled around with. Not just that, they became his followers, his disciples, people that were on mission with him. But the Bible talks about of the 12, there were three that were in his inner circle. So there were three people that had a little bit closer proximity to Jesus than the others. And this was because of their relationship. It's because they, they knew that they wanted to be as close as they could to Jesus because he was the Messiah, he was the Savior. And this was Peter, James, and John. And I wanna pull out some of the things that Peter himself did. So Peter, James, and John. We could look at every one of these in the inner circle and begin to talk about what characteristics as friends that they possessed. But for Tom's sake, I wanna just talk about Peter this morning. Peter was one of the ones, when I think about someone close to Jesus, he comes to my mind right off the bat. And it really is because there's so many instances that I can connect with when Peter did something uh, that really made a whole lot of sense sometimes. And other times you're like, man, Peter was a wild man. He was out there, you know what I'm saying? 
But I begin to think, isn't that how we are? Sometimes we get it right. Sometimes we get it wrong. How does Jesus respond to that though as a friend? And I think it's in this relationship, we can begin to see a model even for our relationship. So here's some friendship lessons from Peter, all right? Number one is Peter had a revelation of who Jesus was because of his relationship with him. He had a revelation. Do you know that there are revelations and there is education? And education is something that you go and you accumulate knowledge so that you know about a certain subject. So an education prepares you for opportunity, but a revelation causes you to see the opportunity. So you can have the education and never have the vision. But when you begin to have a revelation, you can now have the vision that God wants to be able to speak to you and through you. So Peter had a revelation of who Jesus was. Let's read about it. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 17, it says this, Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father who is in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give to you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Hold that scripture for a second. You can begin to see right now that because he had a revelation of who Jesus was, Jesus gave to him the keys to the kingdom. This is the first time when we begin to see the two-way street going to operation. Now, whatever you bind, you, me and you, bind on earth will be bound in heaven, which means whatever you begin to say here, God's gonna back you up there. Whatever you loose on earth, gonna begin to be loosed in heaven. Why? Because what you say here is gonna be backed up there. It's the two-way street of relationship. Let's look a little bit closer here. If you preface this scripture, this is what's taking place. Jesus is talking to his disciples, Peter, James, and John on this day. And he looks at me and says, hey, who do people say that I am? Like when you're out and about in the community, who do people say that I am? He said, well, some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you were a great prophet. Some say you're a teacher. Then he looked at him and he goes, but, but who do you say that I am? And I believe he's looking at us today and he's saying this to you. Who do you say that I am? Peter speaks up. He says, listen, I say that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And then this scripture, he replies, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, which means a person did not tell you that, but by my father who is in heaven. How did he get the revelation? He got the revelation by his proximity in his relationship. How do you get the revelation of all that God is in your life? By the proximity of your relationship with him. Whenever you step into relationship with him, Everything begins to change. The two-way street goes into operation and all of a sudden things begin to blossom and things begin to bloom. Things begin to explode in your relationship with God. Everything begins to make sense. So number one, friendship lesson. We gotta have a revelation of who Jesus is. Number two, things we can learn from Peter's friendship is he had crazy faith for anything that Jesus told him to do. Crazy faith for anything Jesus told them to do. Here's an example. Matthew chapter 14, verse 27. 
But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, this is what Peter said, Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Now let me give you the setting. The disciples are in the boat. They're in the Sea of Galilee and they have a mission to go to the other side. A storm comes up in the middle of the night and all of a sudden they begin to think we are going to die. And lo and behold, in the middle of the storm, Jesus comes walking on the water. They're like, okay, not only are we gonna drown, now there's a ghost walking on the water and they just, they're completely in their head, completely freaked out. And all of a sudden they recognize that it's Jesus and Peter, come on. Peter goes to the edge of the boat. He says, Lord, if that's you, come on, if that's you, Lord, tell me to get out of this boat and walk on the water. What did Jesus say? Come. See, whenever you begin to understand the friend that God is and the friend that Christ can be in your life, you gotta have a revelation of who he is, that he is the almighty, all-powerful God. He's the beginning and the end, the alpha, the omega. He was, he is, he forever will be. He is God. He is more than enough. Whatever you think is the limitation, he can remove the limitation. He is absolutely more than enough. So we have to have the revelation, but then we gotta have some crazy faith. And faith without works is dead. It's hard to have faith and stay in the boat. Jesus is calling some of you right now in your walk with him to get out of the boat and come walk on the water with me. Get out of the boat and come do something with me, with your life, and watch things begin to make sense. Verse number 29, it says, come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. Here's the crazy thing. I didn't put it in your notes. This is what happened right after that. Peter's walking on the water. Bro, he's living the dream, right? He's like out of the boat, walking on water, complete miracle. Then he, all, all of a sudden, he shifts his focus from Jesus to the storm. And when he gets his focus off of Jesus and onto the storm, it says he began to sink. But where was Jesus? Jesus just like, sorry, bro. I, I mean, I guess, I guess you don't really have that much faith. You're on your own. Hope you don't drown. It's not what Jesus did. He just reached out his hand. He picked him up. And then he reminded him, he said, oh, ye of little faith. He wasn't scolding him. He was just saying, hey, remember, you gotta have some faith. You gotta believe in who I, you gotta have some crazy faith to be able to do what we're doing. So he goes on to say, um, to come, uh, he goes on to say, he says, oh, ye of little faith. And of course, then they begin to go to the other side and begin to do some great things. Number three, friendship lesson from Peter. He was fully committed, fully committed to having Jesus' back. John 18, 10, it says this, then Simon Peter, who had a sword. How many of y'all have a friend uh, and he's the kind of guy that's gonna carry a weapon? Come on, let's just be honest. We're in Texas. You know, some of y'all are like, I got it in my truck, pastor, I'll be right back. <laughs> so it says, then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant, cutting off his right ear. This is the story where they're coming to arrest Jesus to go crucify him. Peter, man, he's all in. He's got Jesus' back. He pulls out his sword. He's like, not today. And he cuts that dude's ear off. Blood squirting out everywhere, ear on the ground. 
And Jesus is like, no, no, this is not who we are. It's not what we're doing. Jesus reaches down, pick up the, picks up the guy's ear, puts it back on his head and heals the man. He said, this is who we are. We're not about destroying things. We're about healing things. Mm. <clears throat> Where are my ladies at in here? All the ladies, come on. I love it. How I many you know the ladies got girl code? Y'all know y'all, they got girl code. Guys, did y'all know this? I'm about to help you out, guys, right now, okay? Girls got girl code. Girl code is an unspoken set of rules that girls just do for each other that you don't know is going on. Well, ladies, I got something to tell you too. There's also a bro code. Bro code, rule number 34 is back each other up. Have your buddies back. You know what I'm talking about? Something goes down, get that sword out and cut somebody's ear off. I know we're having some fun. Peter was fully committed to having Jesus' back. Whatever Jesus was up to, Peter's there. Here's where the story gets a little bit, you're like, oh man, that doesn't seem like that fits in the story. Well, it really doesn't, but it absolutely does because it shows how real of a person Peter was. Number four, friendship that characteristic that Peter had with Jesus is he actually denied Jesus three times. Probably had his eye on the storm that day and began to deny Jesus. He had just cut the guy's ear off. They just arrested Jesus. He went before the, the people and now they're gonna crucify him. And now he's warming his hands at the fire and they're like, aren't you one of his disciples? He's like, not me. I thought, man, this seems like such a contrast. That's not being a good friend. How many know sometimes we may not be a good friend, but it doesn't change the fact that Jesus is your best friend. What happened? Jesus went on to be uh, uh, dead, crucified, dead and buried. Three days later, he rose from the dead. He began to show himself to many people. Peter was so discouraged and so distraught that he went back to what he knew, which was being a fisherman. Went back out there, being a fisherman, still not very good at it, not catching any fish. Somebody's on the beach one day, begins to yell at him, say, hey, why don't you guys come over here? And he told them to let down their net real quick. They caught some more fish. And then he came back, back to shore and Jesus is there cooking breakfast on the beach for Peter. The world will tell you, one, two, three strikes, you're out. Peter denied Jesus three times. I don't care if you deny him three times or five times or 10 times or a hundred times. I want you to know Jesus still loves you. He still cares about you. He has a plan and a purpose for your life and he really wants to do something in your life. So he denied Jesus three times. Verse John 18, 25. Meanwhile, Simon Peter was still standing there warming himself. So they asked him, you aren't one of his disciples too, are you? He denied it saying, I am not. But Jesus found him days later, went to him and said, hey, Peter, let's get things right. What is breakfast on the beach? First of all, I love the water. I love being around the water. I grew up like water skiing and uh, I just loved it. One of the two most favorite times for me to be on the water is when the sun is coming up and when the sun is going down. On this particular day, they were out there fishing. It had to be in the morning because it says they were cook he cooked breakfast for them. So they're out there in this still moment, if you will. 
And he's saying, hey, would you come spend some time with me on, on the beach in the morning? Would you come sit down and have a meal with me? And a, a meal represents a, a time where you're going to let your guard down and you're gonna open up to somebody. So Jesus is saying, Peter, I, I know that you think that I could never forgive you for what you did, but I can. In fact, I love you. I care about you. I wanna just restore this communion. I wanna restore this relationship so that we can be together. That's exactly what began to happen. He got things right. A few days later, Jesus ascended into heaven. And now the disciples are left there. My final point, the disciples are left there and they are thinking, now what do we do? They got their heads together and said, let's continue to tell people about Jesus and what he did for us. Number five, relationship, friendship thing that you can learn from Peter is he pursued Jesus's mission and he made more friends. I love the fact that we live in a town called Friendswood. Our church is located here. What's happening, what's going on inside of Friendswood? Some people are moving to go for baptism, guys, just so you know that's what's happening. Um, What I love about Friendswood is founded by Quakers, faith, family, education. But they call themselves the friends because they knew this and had an understanding of the friendship of God. So Peter, after Jesus has ascended, it says this in Acts 2, 38, we're closing with this. And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized. So people have gathered around of something that's happening And now there's a crowd of people and Peter steps up and he begins to give a message. The Bible refers to it as the three-minute message where 3,000 people gave gave their life to Jesus. It said, and Peter said to them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Catch this, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises for you, for your children, all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them saying, save yourself from this crooked generation. Verse number 41. So those who received his word were baptized and they were added that day about 3000 souls. Two things I want you to see here. Number one is Peter was on mission. As a friend of God, we've got to be on mission with our life that it's not just good enough for us. If it's good enough for us, it's gotta be good enough for the people around us. So let's don't just be one friend. Let's go get as many friends as we can and tell them about the goodness of God and what's going on in your life. See, when you begin to do that, you begin to really step out, begin to make a difference in the life of other people. The world has a a saying for this. It has a, a word, a description for this. It's called transcendence, the highest form of living. When you begin to realize that whatever you have amassed and you've accumulated in your life is no longer just about you, that it has to be for somebody else. And whenever you begin to get that revelation, that's what Peter got the revelation of, man, I've got something that I can give out. Whatever that thing is, I wanna encourage you, begin to use your life to make a difference in the life of somebody else. And you will begin to really understand what true friendship is all about. The people in your life that you're really close to, that they're your closer best friends, you'll go do anything for them. It's the same way with God. He'll do anything for you. 
And we need to be to the place in our life where we'll say yes to whatever he wants us to do. Let's pray. If you don't mind, bow your head and close your eyes. And those of you that are gonna get water baptized, y'all can continue getting ready. I'd like everyone here just to say this prayer with me. Everybody say, Father, thank you for loving me. God, I give you my life. I say you can have it. I want to be your friend. I want to spend time with you. I want to know who you are on a very intimate level. God, I say today that Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. God, help me to live my life in a way that's pleasing to you. In Jesus' name. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here today and you prayed that prayer and it meant something to you on the inside, maybe you committed or maybe you recommitted your life today, just raise it up and let the Lord see your hand right where you are. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. His hand's going up all over. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, God loves you and he cares so much about you. Now, Father, I thank you right now, God, for every person that's here. I thank you, God, that we've received your word today. And God, it's my prayer right now that everyone would leave here with a fresh understanding and knowing of what it means to be your friend. God, I thank you that we are your friends. God, use us in any and every way that you desire. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Thank you for joining us. If you've been encouraged by our ministry, we would love for you to like, subscribe, and share this video. If you'd like to help us to continue spreading the message of Jesus all around the world through giving, or you'd like more information on our Sunday services, you can visit us online at myhighpointchurch.com, or you can follow us on social media at myhighpointchurch.